You are listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here this morning. If you're a guest, I want to welcome you as well and say thank you for joining us here today. And those of you joining us online, I'm Brian, one of the pastors here, and I am excited to be back. Um, Had a nice restful vacation with our family the last couple of weeks, and um, going on a cruise for eight days with uh, two children under the age of 10, one especially that's five that wants to be on your hip all the time, is a fun experience. Uh, but we had a really good time, and so I'm grateful to be back here this morning. Uh, if this is your first time with us or first time in a while, we have uh, just began last Sunday uh, our second trip through the Psalms. We started last summer doing Summer in the Psalms, and this summer we are doing the same thing during our summer preaching series. And in this series, uh, this is now week two, uh, we're looking at these different psalms of, of seeing these different uh, emotions that are written down uh, through God's inspired word, uh, moments of joy, moments of praise, moments of just saying, God, what are you doing? Moments of lamenting. In today's passage, we see uh, that David is writing this and it's a, a joyous, one written to the choir master of, of praise on. To God. And I've entitled the message today, Listen and Respond. Listen and Respond. And I want to ask you have you ever taken time, um, whether you're on a trip, maybe you were camping or doing something like that, and you were able to get away from the city lights and you were kind of out there in the midst of more of a darker area and just looked up at the night sky? Like I'm seeing some head nods. It's absolutely breathtaking to be able to sit there and just look up away from all the brightness of the city lights and just see the beauty of God's creation up there. You sit there and you're just in awe and say, only God could do this. All the bright stars in the sky, the constellations, the planets, everything that we can see, it's just this wow. I remember when I was younger and I was in scouting and, and going out on these camping trips and you've heard me talk about Hananwa campground that we went to and whatnot and I just remember being out there right on the edge of the water, out there where we would go to fish during the day and just looking up at the sky and just being speechless in awe of what I'm seeing there. And it's on those nights where I laid my eyes on those things and nothing audibly is coming to me, but God is speaking in those moments. Creation is crying out the beauty of what God has done. Have you ever been in a place like that where you've just looked at something and just been in awe at the beautiful handiwork of God and it's just left you speechless? And how did you respond to that? How do you respond to that? Well, as I said, this is David's writing in Psalm 19 today, and he's written with this intention for the choir master. It's one to be sung. It's a a song of praise unto God. And we're going to see here today just how beautiful it is when we see creation and God's word and the ways in which God speaks to us to where we must listen and respond. This is a a little bit of a shorter psalm. I'm going to ask if we would, let's stand up for a moment. Let's read through this together. We'll pray and we'll dive in. Psalm 19, the words are on the screen if you need them. 
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is perfect. We thank you, Lord, that it is a blessing to us that guides us and leads us through this life. Lord, I'm so grateful for the way in which you speak to your people. Speak through the beauty of your creation. Speak through the beauty of your word. And Lord, you bring us to have a response to you. Father, I pray that today we would respond with a humble heart, willing to do whatever you may be calling us to do. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So God speaks to his creation through his creation, to us through his creation, through his word, and he calls all followers to respond, all people to respond. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. They'll be up there on the screen for you as well. The first point is this. God speaks through his creation. God speaks through his creation. Look at verse one again. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. David starts out immediately pointing to the heavens, declaring God's glory. God has revealed himself to his creation to us through his creation, through those things that I talked about a few moments ago. Now here, David says heavens. Now this is to be considered the things above the sky, like the moon, the sun, the planets, the stars. How do we know this? Well, when we look at Scripture, we look at Scripture to affirm Scripture, we look at places to see maybe where has this other wording been said, and we see in the Hebrew that it can be translated as the expanse, which is also what is talked about when the creation account happens in Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. We see that as God is de describing this, this creation that is coming about, this is that lower area that is below the heavens, 
This is where we see the, the clouds in the sky, the birds that are flying through the air. This is that place. We must not miss that David describes what the heavens and the sky above do. He says there that they declare and they proclaim. They declare and they proclaim. We say that a lot here at homes, right? To proclaim and demonstrate, we say the gospel. But the, the creation, it is declaring, it is proclaiming this news of God, this who God is. This is a reflection of the beautiful handiwork of God, the God of the universe, the God who created all things. I am, as he refers to himself in the scriptures. You know, when we look into the sky and we see the, the beautiful clouds, right? Maybe you, you've sat there from time to time and you've tried to make out, okay, that looks like a dinosaur. No, it looks like a bird. I don't know where you got dinosaur. Like, we've had those moments. You've got all the different clouds in the sky. You see the beauty of them. We try to figure out what they are. They're proclaiming the glory of God. These two words also depict the idea of continual revelation, it's this idea of it is proclaiming, it is declaring, it is continual revelation of God to man. When we look up at the sky, like I said, on those nights when you look up and you say, what in the world? Wow, where did this come from? Who? Only God could do this. That is God revealing himself, and it's this continual proclaiming and declaration. When we look at the the, maybe the telescope images that you see of the, the galaxies way out and about. When you look at the, the beautiful pictures of the planets in the sky, they're all declaring and proclaiming the beauty of God and what he has done. Verse 2 tells us, day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. We see this idea continued in this verse here with verse 2. All day, all night, these created things continue to point to the one who has created them. As the light of the day is before us, we can see all around us the revelation of God, the beauty of the trees and of the forest. And if you walk through those areas, you just see like all the beauty of what God has created and made. It's revealing to us. And then as night falls and we look up to that night sky, we see the Milky Way galaxy. We see Orion's belt, all these constellations that we see, and we're just left speechless. Verses 3 and 4, let's read together. It says, There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. See, in these verses here, David is highlighting something for us. He's highlighting the fact that these things may be silent, yet they proclaim loudly the one in whom created them. God speaks through his creation to his creation. When we look into the telescope and we see those planets, when we see all those things that I've said, they all declare God without saying a word. And there is no one, based on these verses, what we're seeing here in the Scriptures, there is no one on the entire planet Earth that can say, I have never seen a revelation of God. Because from one end of the planet to the other, everyone can look and they can see the beauty of God proclaimed through the creation. 
And he says that he has set them as a tent for the sun as it rises daily. The sun. The sun in the sky. Verses 5 and 6. Which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs his course with joy. Its rising is from end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. I love these descriptions of how David says of the sun coming up in the day. He gives this example of the bridegroom leaving his chamber where he's waiting for his bride. Everyone sees that joyful moment on the man's face as he waits for his bride to come. Radiates. Beauty. He says it's like a strong man running its course. The imagery here of the strong man is like a champion, one who has mastered the ability to run races, to, to do these athletic things. He is a champion in that regard. He knows how to do it. He has done it. He does it with excellence. He says there that the creation, the sun, as it rises, it goes forth daily as it should with no issues, all pointing to the Creator. He says that the sun rises and it sets daily from one end to the other. All the earth sees it and nothing is hidden from its heat. There is no one who can say that they've never experienced the sun. We experience it every day. Here in South Carolina, mixed with humidity, we experience it really badly. <laughs> but we experience the sun daily. It's this moment of no one can say that because the creation is pointing to the Creator. We feel its warmth during the day and we sense the missing of it somewhat <laughs> in the evenings when it's a little cooler. What's a point of application that we can take from this first section of how God speaks through His creation? The fingerprints of God, church, are everywhere. The fingerprints of God are everywhere. Matter of fact, if you look around this room, we are all created in the image of God. Fingerprints of God are everywhere. We see His handiwork in the heavens. We see Him below the heavens. We see Him in every living creature. God speaks to us through these. God speaks to us through us. Therefore, we must glorify Him. We must glorify Him in all that we do. We can hear, hear, quotations, Him through the nature as we see. But we can only truly know Him through His Word. Which leads me to point number two. God speaks through His Word. God speaks through His Word. In this section, we see that David beautifully describes the Word of God. The passage states the law of the Lord, which is referring to the Word of God. It was what it was commonly referred to in the Old Testament. There are several ways in which these verses, David goes and he describes the Word of God and what it does to the one who reads and obeys. So let's look at them together. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. There, that first part of verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It is perfect. It, it, it brings this reviving to our soul. There is no error in God's word, period. It's God's truth. There's no error in God's word. When we look at God's word, the reader, as he is studying it, their weary soul is strengthened because of God's word being living and active. How many of us in this room can declare that at one time or another we've gone to God's word when we've been weary and on empty? There we go, being honest. We've been weary. We've been empty. And how many times through that, as the Holy Spirit is guiding us through the study of the Word, we walk away. You might not feel it right there instantly, but you begin to feel, wow, wait a minute. I've consistently been in the Word of God. I'm consistently being in the presence of God, studying His Word, spending time with Him, praying to Him. Wow. I was weary, but I have joy because I trust God. God is filling me. It's what happens. It revives the soul. That second part of seven, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The Word of God is trustworthy. If it is true and it is perfect, then it's trustworthy. It should be the thing when we look at all different things in this life, right? I was just listening to a podcast this week and they were talking about the studying of the scriptures compared to going to books. Books are great. We love books, okay? But how many times do we quickly go to man's wisdom over God's? We'll very quickly say, wait a minute, I need to find a book on this matter that I'm struggling with. So we'll go and find that book on Amazon or whatever. We'll click it. We'll get it within one to two days if Amazon's on time, right? And we'll get it and we're like, all right, I got to start reading this and studying it. When the answer to the problems are right here, the Word of God is trustworthy. It's trustworthy. If it's trustworthy, then it's helpful. If it's trustworthy, as the passage states, it helps even the simple to be wise. You may sit there and say, well, I, I have a hard time studying the Word of God. I don't know a lot. Well, James is very clear when he writes in chapter 1 that if anyone lacks wisdom, ask God and he will give it to us. I, I love how Pastor Walter prayed that about wisdom just a few moments ago for, for Cooper River. If we are to... Seek the Lord, and we need wisdom. We ask Him, and He is gracious to give it to us in abundance. Even those who would say that they are the most simple. I, don't, I can't understand stuff quickly. No, no, no. Father, will you please give me wisdom in how to discern these things that I need to discern? To go about my daily life, the Word of God makes wise simple. Verse 8 tells us, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That first part there of verse 8, the precepts, the, the rules, the, the guidelines for living life are right because they're of God. If God is sinless and God is perfect, if they are of God, then they are good. They are the guidelines by which we live our lives. Therefore, they give us joy. 
They give us moments of, of joy and, and needing to see how tremendously helpful they are. That second part of verse 8, God's word is pure. It's pure. There's no sinfulness. Therefore, it's enlightening to the eyes. As we study the scriptures, it helps us to understand how we are to live for God's glory. And all of that is happening at the moment because the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. The helper is there to guide. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. God's word is clean or pure, as it says. <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, it is helping the Christian to live a life of fear unto God. Remember, though, that fear, it's this concept and this idea of this holy reverence to God. Giving God his due. If God is who he says he is, and he is, we should live our lives in fearful reverence of him. We're not terrified of him, but we understand you are God and I am not. You need what you deserve. You need my praise and my worship. He doesn't need it in the sense that, oh, I got to have his so I can be who I say I am. No, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. But he allows us the, the, the opportunity to come before him and to praise him and to worship him. We must have this holy reverence of God. And the beauty of that verse tells us that the word of God will endure forever. That second half of verse 9, I'll read it again. It says, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. I said a moment ago that we should come to the word of God as, as the, the sole, the ultimate thing that we pursue in this life to ask, what does God's word say? Not what does this say or what does that say? What does God's word say on this matter? And that is because God's word is the measuring stick by which we live our lives. Are we living in a way that is out of line? If we are, then the word of God helps us to see that, to understand that, and tells us how we are to live. Why? Because the word of God is reliable and it is true. Danny Aiken, the president of Southeastern Seminary, in his commentary on the book of Psalms, he says this regarding this verse. The word of God provides us with the standard of righteousness because it flows from the nature of God himself. God is righteous. And so this word of God that, that shows us and provides us the standard of righteousness of how we're to live our lives, it comes from God alone. Therefore, if it's coming from God directly, we should listen and obey and follow. Let's look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. I love this verse. I love this verse because the word of God is more desirable than gold, even fine gold. We can take of the very best things that this world could offer to us, 
We can all probably sit here and write out a list. Like, what are the best things that we have this side of heaven and this life? Like, what are those objects? What are those things that we just have and we love and we just cherish? And we can take them all and we can put them there just as David talks about with the fine gold. And we can say, yes, that's it. And this trumps it right away. Because it's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's more desirable than those things. The scriptures say that they are sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Who in here likes honey? Thank you. You're the first one. I'm proud of you. I love me some honey, right? I don't like being sick, but when I get a little sore throat, first thing I'm grabbing is the honey. Love honey. It's so sweet. It's delicious. You can almost taste it right now, can't you? Those of you that like it. We have that imagery there of how sweet and delicious it is. It's the word of God. It's that sweet. It's that impactful for the soul. It's absolutely beautiful. Why is it that we can come to the word and it can be that sweet for us? I said a few moments ago that it was living and it was active. And I get that directly from scripture. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, you may hear that passage. You may think, well, that's not very sweet. Like, it's going to cut down deep. That's why it's sweet. That's why it's sweet. Think of the example of if you're living in sin, right? If there's some sin that you have, and you're just engulfed in it. And it's just terrorizing your life. You approach the word of God. And you may take that thing and you may hold on to it over here and say, no, nope, this is mine. Well, nobody else mess with it. But you come to the word of God and it very quickly cuts right through every bit of brick and wall that you may put up in front of it. It gets down to the nitty gritty of where it needs to be. That's why it's sweet. Because no matter where we are in our life, no matter what the journey is, no matter what situation we may have in front of us, health problems, financial problems, I don't care. You fill in the blank. When we are struggling and we have things that we're wrestling with or that we're dealing with with sin, and the word of God meets us right then and there, it can do that because it's living and active. It's not a book that's on a shelf that we just pick up. It's the word of God that is living and active. It means that it meets us exactly where we are in that moment. How many times have we read the scriptures? We're in a passage. We see it here. Maybe you document when you're journaling and say, you know what? Uh, oh, I was in this passage at this time last year. That is not the verse that stood out to me last year. Why does that happen? Because the word of God is living and active. It meets us where we are in the moment as we're studying it. 
We could probably take the same passage and look through it three weeks from now, and God is going to reveal something different to us because it's living and active. This is the Word of God. That is why it is so incredible for us. God speaks through His Word. It's incredible. It's so sweet. And then in verse 11, it says, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The final ways in which David describes the helpfulness of the word of God and how God speaks to us is said here. The Bible is used to warn and to direct us. Through the Holy Spirit guiding, we are shown when to steer in the opposite of direction of where we may be heading. They also show this great reward for walking in faithful obedience. And it's not just this thing where, God, I'm going to do this so that you can bless me. No, it's, God, you're who you say you are. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to live a life of obedience to you. Wow, you're going to bless me? Thank you so much. I don't deserve it. What's the point of application that you could take from this? After hearing all that the Word of God is and does, how should you respond? I really want us to take a moment just of self-reflection. Like, if you're taking notes, like, write that down. Like, how do you respond to that? Are you spending enough quality time in the Word to experience all that God can say and do through His Word to you? If you're not, I have to ask the question, why not? Why not? And please hear, this is not Brian standing before you saying, I've got all the answers, so you better do what I say to do. No, no, no. I'm asking us all. If that's not at the priority at the top of our list of quality time with God, then why? What else is so much more important than the Word of God? in time with the one who created us, who literally knit us together in our mother's womb. I'm willing to bet this, that if you're not engaging the word daily, you're engaging other things that are not of importance. We all could probably write out a list of the things that we go about in our day, and I guarantee you we could probably take about three to four hours worth of that stuff and get rid of it. It's just reality. Think of this challenge. If you're not actively engaging the Word of God daily, if you're not setting it as a priority in your life, think of something that you can put away for 10 minutes today. Like literally, go home this afternoon and carve out 10 minutes and say, you know what? I'm not going to do what I normally do during this time for 10 minutes, and I'm just going to sit with the Father and His Word. Willing to bet that if we all did that on a consistent daily basis, those 10 minutes would very quickly turn into 30 may eventually turn into an hour. And then we look at our clock and we say, whoa, where did that time go? 
Because I don't know about you, but when you're with somebody that you love and you care about, and you're spending that quality time, the time flies by, don't it? But when you're doing something you don't really care to do, you just got to do it, it's like, oh my goodness, the clock will not go any faster. It's because it's quality time. And it flies by. But man, during that time, it is so good. I guarantee you that if we devote that time uninterrupted and we seek God daily, we will be left in awe, speechless of some incredible things that he does. Very quickly, God speaks to his creation. God speaks to his word. Lastly, God calls all people to respond. Verse 12, who can discern his errors, errors declares, declare me innocent from hidden faults. David is asking this question of who can discern their own sin. See, our, our sin is deceiving and it, it fools us constantly. We've all been there. We've, we've done something sinful and, and maybe even at the time we did it, we didn't even realize what had just happened, but we look back and we instantly see what we did. And it's crazy how that happens, but it is our sinful nature. But David goes further and he asks that he be considered innocent of hidden faults or sins. In other words, the sins that we commit out of plain ignorance, they're, they're unconditional there is, excuse me, unintentional. They could be unintentional out of plain ignorance, but the Lord is gracious to not only speak to us, but allows others in our lives to see the way in which we may sin, and they're able to rebuke. They're able to be there for us to confess our sins to one another, as Scripture tells us to do, and they help us. They restore us. So how do we respond? Verse 13 says, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. This verse here in verse 13, it stings a little bit. David asked the Lord to keep him back from presumptuous sins and asked that they not have dominion over him. What is David asking here? What is he saying? He's basically asking God to keep him from presuming, presuming that he knows better than God. Why does that sting? I think that we can all agree that at one time or another, we presume that we've known better than God and we've acted on it, have we not? I don't want to admit that, Brian. We do it all the time. You ever had to make a big decision on something and you realize by the time you've made the decision that you haven't even sought the Lord's counsel on it? That's happened to people's lives. It's happened in my own life. There's these moments where we just presume like, oh, I got this. Thanks, but I got this. That shouldn't be the case. Our response should be that of David there in 13. Asking us, Lord, please keep me away from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Because if that's the case, I'm blameless. I'm innocent of great transgression. 
And then he says right there at the end in 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We see this humble response in 13, asking us, Lord, please, let these things not have dominion over me. Keep me from these sins. Oh Lord, let the meditations of my heart, let the words of my mouth that I say, let them be pleasing unto you. Let them be acceptable unto you. We must be a people who only desire for our words to be his words, the meditations of our heart to be his, because he is our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. Which brings me to this last point of application. When you're faced, when you and I are faced with sin, sinfulness in our lives, how do we respond? As we're in the Word of God and the Lord is speaking to us, He is calling us to have a response to it. How do we respond to that? Do we take the grace of God for granted? Hopefully these verses help us to see just how great God is and how much we need Him and His Word to truly come in and cut and do what it needs to do to restore us, to help us to grow. I asked you there at the beginning, have you ever left, been left speechless by God? And after reading and studying this passage today, I wonder, are you left in awe and speechless today based on the beauty of the Word of God and how God speaks? Because here's the thing, God is continually speaking. He doesn't stop. We have a really hard time at times listening. Will we listen and will we respond in obedience? I pray we will. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I am just so thankful for this passage. First and foremost, Lord, I'm thankful for you and the mere fact that we can even approach you as our Abba Father. Lord, I'm so thankful, God, that your word reminds us that the beauty of your creation all around is continually proclaiming your handiwork. Your word is constantly showing us that, Lord, you are speaking to us. So, Lord, faced with that reality, Lord, I pray that we would be a people that respond in faithful obedience. And that may look different for every single person. It may look different for some that may say, you know what, I, I do have this in my life and I've been just holding on to it and I need to repent of it and confess it and move away from it in pursuit of the Lord. There may be some of us that say, you know what, I don't cherish the Word of God as it should rightfully be cherished. 
So yeah, I need to go and I need to cut out some things in my life so that I can give the Word of God the priority that it needs. And there's some that may say, you know what, I don't even really know what to do with the Word of God. I don't know what my next step is. I don't, I don't know what to do, Father. I pray that you would empower that person to be able to say, hey, I don't know what to do next, but will you help me? Or whatever it is that those within the sound of my voice need to respond with today, I pray that they would respond. Or maybe today's a day of salvation for somebody. I don't know, Father. Lord, I pray, God, that as you continue to speak to us, Lord, that we would truly listen and that we would respond in a way that is pleasing unto you. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.